everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. I'm a terrible golfer, always have been, and I'm sure I always will be. I don't golf much anymore, but there was a time in my life when I went about every other week or so, and it was all because of Tiger Woods. Tiger made the game appealing to me, even though I was terrible. I'd watch him win many times in dramatic fashion on Sunday and then think about playing all week until I could hit the links the following Saturday morning. Eric Floberg is a photographer, filmmaker, and content creator based out of Chicago, Illinois. And he's kind of like Tiger Woods to me. I'm not a great any of that. But Eric makes me want to create amazing films. I've dabbled with video, yes, but Eric's work inspires me to make stuff. I've had Eric on the show before, and I fawned over his Tyler and Ellie film. I'm still fawning. And if you haven't checked it out, please do so. But be ready. Eric is focusing much of his time on teaching now, so not only will you want to start filming and editing and creating amazing work yourself, you'll have a direct way to learn from him via YouTube and his educational resources. Let me just let you start. You tell me who you are and give me some deets and then we'll go. Yeah. Uh, my name is Eric Floberg. I'm a photographer, filmmaker. I'm based out of Chicago, Illinois, and I shoot, prim I primarily shoot weddings. I do portraits. And then I've also dabbled in the YouTube game for the past right. two years now, two and a half years. Right. And through that, I've come to realize that my years of experience in photographing and filming weddings and taking portraits and the like, uh, has given me the opportunity to teach that stuff, uh, through the platform, through YouTube and, uh, using YouTube to, uh, teach in other various ways. So that's kind of manifested itself in doing workshops. Now uh, I started something called a Patreon recently. Mm -hmm. Um, people can do a monthly subscription to learn from me and it's just continuing to grow. Um, so like now I'm just starting to work with more brands associated with photography and filmmaking in the wedding world and beyond. So yeah, just kind of where I'm at now. Regarding working with other brands, how much of that is you putting the effort into snagging them as opposed to them coming to you? Yeah, it's a lot of them coming to me and I'm not really someone who like goes and like reaches out to people in that way. I, it's just hard for me to do. But recently I've been working with an administrative assistant who's reached out to certain brands mm -hmm. and we've been able to connect with some. Um, but I was actually contacted by someone um, from a, an agency, I guess is what we can call it these sure. days, um, right. called Space Station. And uh, so now they're kind of informally representing me through YouTube. Uh, so anytime I get an inquiry from a brand, I just pass it off to my representative at Space Station and they can do negotiations for me. Um, and that's great because I, I'm terrible at <laughs> doing deals <laughs> and right. like, I get way too emotional about all of it and then I undersell myself and all that. So I'm happy that there are more people involved in this process now as my YouTube channel grows and I start to work with bigger brands that I can have people advocating for me 
with sponsorships. So. I know Jeremy Cowart says that it's like peanut butter and jelly. He's like, I'm, I might be the jelly, but I need my peanut butter Absolutely. to go out there and, and make that stuff happen for me. I, first of all, I love food analogies. So I, I was all about that. <laughs> um, but I get that. Like there's, we all have our skill sets, right? And mm -hmm. you know, the fact that there's somebody behind the scenes for you that can represent you in that way. You have like an agent now, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. And it's, it's just so weird. It's, I, you know, growing up hearing that phraseology, that kind of stuff was something completely different than what it means now with the age yeah. of the internet. Yeah. Um, you think of commercial representation for actors and stuff in Hollywood and it's just a completely different world now, but it's all, it's all really exciting. And in a weird way, in the weirdest year we've all experienced, it's still growing. And so, um, I begrudgingly tell people that I'm really excited this year for things. <laughs> it is, it is strange to be in a position sometimes where things, different things like opportunities exist now in different ways that, that didn't exist before. Like, yeah, there's a, a, there's a lot of things that are a mess, right? Mm -hmm. But there are also things that exist that weren't there before. I mean, for one mm -hmm. thing, it like if you need to get a loan for something, money is all but free right now. Yeah. And so like to set yourself up for when things really clear up and they're already starting to clear up more and more, but you can put yourself into a position for that when they do clear up, you're ready to roll mm -hmm. and, and really strike while the iron is hot, so to speak, I feel like. Absolutely. The thing, the thing I wanted to, to tackle with you specifically, though, regarding... Okay, so more than once I've had conversations with other photographers who are educators. And this goes back even 15, 17 years. And back then, even, people would start to... Like, educators would complain to me. And I was... There were times where I was in this boat, too, where we would say, oh, so-and-so is taking my workshop because they want to do workshops, right? Like they're not coming to learn this out of the other about photography. They're coming to see how I do a workshop so that they can go back and do their workshops, mm -hmm. right? And it was like a complaint, you know? And then one time a guy not too long ago would say, he said to me, I asked everyone in, in my, in my workshop, what they wanted to do. And almost all of them raised their hand and said, they're just learning this so they, they can start their own YouTube channel. Right. Mm. And so what I'm getting at is that because technology is where it is, and you kind of were alluding to this, like, it's not like it was like it used to be anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of things like YouTube, because of things like it's, it's, it's the, even having an agent or a representative doesn't look the same anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. The barrier to entry on all of these things is, has, has been so lowered that I feel as though there should no longer be that stigma associated with somebody that wants to start a YouTube channel anymore. Is mm -hmm. that fair? Oh, it's completely fair because <laughs> the people who don't have the heart invested in starting something like a YouTube channel are just going to crash and burn. They're going to go away anyway. Exactly. If they don't, if, if they're not tracking with anything, like nobody wants to continue a YouTube channel that is just not tracking with anybody. <laughs> right. Right. Like they're outside of maybe it being a place like a personal diary, like a personal video blog or blog. Um, that they could have for themselves. 
there's really, in my eyes, no other reason to continue doing it if you're not finding any traction in some way, uh, business related, if that's what your, your goal well, is. Well, because to pull it off, it's, I mean, especially to pull it off well and in a way that is appealing to a larger audience, it still takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of care. Yeah. Right. It's, it is an insane grind. Like I woke up at 5am to finish a video to post literally <laughs> minutes before I called you today. And that's just kind of how it always is. Yeah. And as I continue to grow, I'm going to continue to build a team of people who can shoot and edit right. with me, which is the, the beauty of it. I'm finally starting to get, to get to that place where I had the supplemental income to start paying people to, to, you know, put out more content and then it mm-hmm. starts snowballing. And that's really exciting. Um, but it's, it's not for the, the weary hearted. I mean, I've seen tons of people just crash and burn trying to do it. And my, I myself, it's, it's taken a huge toll on my mental health, being so obsessed with analytics and whatever kind of measurable success you can have on a platform like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is weighed in, in also with just sheer excitement and the idea of what is on the horizon and what it could be. So you're in this um, so, building phase right now, essentially. Yeah, you're, I feel like a YouTube channel is always in a building phase. You're just, always going to be. You never arrive. You have someone like Peter yeah. McKinnon, who's who's a pr- quickly approaching 5 million subscribers, but he is very clearly strategically making videos right now for growth. Like it's undoubted. Like I see the strategy. And so I look at people like that and I there's times where I sit back and I go, is this just a, a cat and mouse game that I'm never going to win? Um but you always have to, it's, it's always taking things with balance. Like I, I feel obsessed with the analytics and then I have to step back off of that unhealthy season and realize the benefit of all of it. And I have to delete the YouTube studio app off my phone and just clear my mind. Is that it. right? Oh yeah. I had to do that a couple of weeks ago because I was just obsessing over it. So what is um, that? You were, you were mentioning the unhealthy mental piece of that, of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, and the term obsessed kind of points to that anyway, but what does that, what does that look like? What does it look like when you are quote unquote obsessed and in an unhealthy state to the point where you have to take measures like that? Yeah. It's almost identical to social media addiction. It it is social media. I mean, uh, so the idea of mindlessly pulling out your phone and scrolling through Instagram, that kind of habitual rhythm is Mm. how I've started to get with YouTube studio, the, the platform where I can see analytics or how the views are going, subscriptions, uh, ad revenue, like mm. all of the different things that I can measure. And me being the personality I am, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a number three yeah. driven by success. Yeah. So that's just like cocaine for me. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so um, I'm constantly needing to measure that with community around me, with having open discussion with my wife about mm. just being in a healthy place surrounding that. Mm-hmm. And just having times where I just make videos to just kind of be like, you know what? Screw it. Like I'm, I'm going to make this for me. Like mm. I'm, I've the past three years, I've really been getting into running and, um, you know, recently posted a running vlog, which is, com- I, my channel's based off of photography and filmmaking. Right. right. But I made like this running vlog and like nobody watched it, but I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> I like, this is what I love to do. And if I'm excited about um, sharing a story and putting out a piece of work that I'm proud of, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, 
So yeah, I, again, with rhythm. And then there's other times where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to strategically make a video that I know is going to be really successful for the photo video community. Right, right. You yeah, know? like you're, you can't, you kind of go back to the well sometimes in that, in yeah. that way. Everything in You balance. mentioned your, your wife and how she's involved in that part of the process for you. As far as maybe, oh, accountability or someone to help keep you grounded. Because um, you have, uh, you have children too. So you yeah. have a wife, you have kids, you have your videos, you have your, um, and I mean like videos for clients, and then you have your, your photography, and then you have YouTube, and then you have a team that you work with, and then you have running, apparently. Yeah. How, how does, how do you keep all of those plates spinning all uh, the time? Yeah, it's, it's never possible to keep all of them at 100%. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just literally impossible. Um, and so I find myself going through seasons of put, dumping a lot of time into one and not so much the other. So like right now, for example, I'm not shooting any weddings as you know, nobody else is either. My right. backlog is completely done. And so that part of my business is just kind of on a pause. Like I'm still booking, um, for future stuff, but I'm pouring like all of my time into YouTube, Patreon and running right now. Mm. Um, and, and that goes, you know, so that's from the business side, like, and within that as well, I've been able to spend so much more time with my family. It's been mm -hmm. incredible. We've, this is actually the end of a two week stint of, uh, we decided to quarantine with, um, like our closest friends at their family cabin. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've been out here for geez, like 15 days now and I've been running the country roads and it's just been like such an incredible breath of fresh air, literally and metaphorically. Um, you're out of, in the country right now. Yeah, well, we're out by Starved Rock, so... Oh, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, like two hours outside of Chicago. Yeah. Um, it's a great you know, spot. There's, yeah, there's just, like, no one here. And, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's been so good for my mental health. Uh, I've been able to just kind of get rid of the phone for a while, spend a, a lot of good family time being outside, you know, instead of being locked in our condo in the city. And... Uh, it's just been so helpful in the process of continuing to grow during this season. So been very so, thankful for it. So let's go over, I'd like to go over YouTube and uh -huh. what, what that looks like um, from your point of view. And then I'd like to cover Patreon too, because I'm a sure. lot more familiar with YouTube than Patreon. Of course I know yeah. of Patreon, but let's start with YouTube and talk about what that looks like and the tips and the tricks and the, and the pitfalls to avoid and things of that nature. For sure. Uh, so whenever someone asks me like how they should start a YouTube channel, uh, as I mean, really I can, I can advise generically, I guess, but I, I think more specifically I have, mm -hmm. um, more of a skill set in the photo and video realm within YouTube. And so when it comes to that, I always recommend people figure out what their strengths are, what makes them different. The whole, like, um, the whole theme of my channel is you come, comes off the phrase lean, uh, into what makes you different. And so that whole concept of figure out what separates you from all of the stuff that already exists on the platform. Mm. How do you do all that? Of, all Does the every, doesn't stuff. everything exist already? Right. So th this is what I teach in my workshops when it comes to creativity is like no creativity is truly authentically you. Mm. And so you have to step back evaluate what your inspiration is. What do you love? What films do you love? What photographers do you love? Uh, take a whole mess of art, mm -hmm. figure out what your favorite things are 
and start seeing how they connect with one another mm-hmm. and seeing how they uh, develop your voice. Okay. And so, um, and this is something that was actually uh, said by a really popular YouTuber recently. When I heard him say it, I was just like, this is exactly what I teach. <laughs> like it's, it was really good to hear confirmation from someone who yes. I think is incredibly yes. inspiring and creative to yeah. be doing the same exact thing I do with creativity. Yeah. And so that same thing applies to starting a YouTube channel. If you want your voice to be different, you need to have something different about what you do. So maybe that's the way you present uh, what you put out there. Uh, maybe that's your visuals. Maybe that's your audio. Maybe you have something else, some other artistic talent that you can bring to the table. Um, and so, so the big things when it comes to, at least at this point, because of the algorithm on YouTube is, is ever changing, but at least at this point, the most important thing when it comes to making videos on YouTube analytically is you want your viewers to be watching for a large percentage of the video. So what are you going to do to keep them engaged for most of the video so that the algorithm recognizes this is a good piece of content and sends it out to new people. Mm. Um, and then also things like, um, people hitting the like button, people commenting, people subscribing to your channel. Those three things are really important to the algorithm as well. So that's why you might hear people saying, Hey, it would help me out a ton. If you'd like this video, if you, and I straight up, I got to the point where I was like, Hey, if you love me and you want to see my channel grow and help me with this, please like the video subscribe, you know, like just being that literal, lay it out there. Yeah. And a friend recently was like, Oh, I, I, I always, I watch every one of your videos, but I never liked any of them before. As soon as you started saying like it, I started liking all of them. It is, it is funny. You need that. You need that extra little nudge. I do Otherwise with, you don't do it. I know I do it with people. I watch all the time. I hear them say, it, I'm like, Oh shoot. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I click like, oh, yeah. and it just, it helps the channel. So like there's that analytical stuff, but if you come at it more from a technical uh, approach, the way I started my channel was I did those things. I was like, okay, what makes me different? And this is really what made me realize I was starting to like break out in a creative voice in the wedding and portrait world was I used a tilt shift lens sometimes yep. and I shot double exposures in camera. Mm-hmm. And those two things creatively, not many people at that time did and sure don't do. So, right. Like right away, some of the first tutorials I ever did was like, this is how you do a double cam- uh, exposure in camera on mm-hmm. a 5D Mark IV. And I did the full tutorial, showed all of my double exposures I've done in the past, did a practice one, and that video got put into recommended and it blew oh, up yeah. on the channel. Yeah. And so, so that got me a lot of subscribers uh, doing tilt shift tutorial as well. Um, and then as it's evolved over the years, I've kind of realized some of the other things that do really well um, in combination with my photo and film um, skill set. And one of those is, is the business and financial side of running a business as a creative. And so I had a video a year and a half ago uh, titled Make 100K a Year as a Wedding Photographer. Mm-hmm. And, and that one, like it was like a clickbaity title. The thumbnail had 100K on it. But really like when I, when I went into the video, I, I I laid out everything. I was like, this is exactly how I run my business. These are all the steps. But at the end I was like, if your if your heart's not in it and you're not serving your clients, you're going to burn out. And I I did like a montage that was just like gut wrenching and everybody was like totally into it. Yeah. Um, so all that to say, like in the process, you start out with something really technical and, um, something that's really attention grabbing and, skills that are things that you think will, will trigger the algorithm to help your channel. 
And then as you go, you kind of evolve and start seeing like what's going to track well with the audience and you can read what does well, what doesn't and just keep evolving as you go. But even the term clickbait has this negative connotation to it, which I, I get because you know, I've been a victim of clickbait many times myself, (laughs) but it's not really clickbait or at least it's not there shouldn't be a negative connotation with something, even if it is clickbait. In other words, it sucks you in because of whatever it says or whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. But if you click on it and the content is really solid and and relevant and helpful, that kind of doesn't make it clickbait anymore, right? So I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it's also one. It's kind of like this. The theme of this to me is kind of like it's not really a thing anymore. You know, to some to some degree. Yes, there's clickbait, but you, I wouldn't. It depends on how you frame it, maybe, or or what the result is on the other end. You know, if I'm being led astray into something that really had nothing to do with what what the clickbait initially was, then that's junk, right? But for you, it's like that is is bombastic and big and yes it's it's appealing and it and it sucks people in but it's also legit right right like you had a solid foundation on the other side of that 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 really showed people what you said you were going to show them now exactly. i thought that don't you have kind of a follow up to that too now like even that during 2020 mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh you specifically the 100k topic yes yeah. Um, so yeah, I just released a video earlier this week that talks uh-huh. about my plans of how I'm going to pivot, uh, this year. And that's a good segue into Patreon because that was a video I released on Patreon and then, uh, made it public for YouTube to mm-hmm. let my YouTube audience see, Hey, this is what a Patreon video looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like set a caveat at the beginning. I was like, Hey, if you're a patron, I'm not scamming you. I promise I'm going to release mm-hmm. one of these every once in a while, just so people on YouTube can see what Patreon is like. Um, and so in that video, about a 25 minute video of me, just like spilling my guts on what I think I'm going to be doing this year. And what's beautiful about it is like, it's already changed since I made that video this past week of bookings and different things. It's our, I'm already pivoting more. So that's the evolution of, of Patreon and YouTube and this stuff. It's the content's never ending because I'm always evolving as a creator and as an educator mm. as well. And they're coming along for the process and learning through my process. Um, I always give the caveat that I'm like, yeah, I'm a professional in this industry, but I, I absolutely don't know all the answers. I I feel like a fool in plenty of sectors of this industry. Like I'm a novice in a lot of parts, but if, if what I'm doing creatively and whatever success I have is going to help you in your process, I want you to be able to take part in that. Um, and so with Patreon specifically, it's at a, an incredibly approachable price. It's only $10 a month for people to be getting three to four videos from me a month right. where I'm just exposing literally everything I do. And so, and those I, are exclusive to them through Patreon. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. If they pay the $10 a month, they can watch those videos or whatever content I put there. Uh, it could be PDFs of my contracts or pricing sheets or style guides or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time it's manifesting itself in, in videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those videos are way less like flashy clickbaity. They're long form. They're me spilling my brain and my guts about mm-hmm. all of my processes because mm-hmm. YouTube is a platform where people don't know who I am. And so the videos have to be catered to an audience of people who don't know. I have to introduce myself. I have to yeah. tell them what I'm all about. They yeah. have to see like my style and creativity. 
And so it's almost more like what I explain YouTube is, is like YouTube is an appetizer and Patreon's the full, um, the full course, um, the full meal, uh, where yes, you will get, you, you will be satisfied from YouTube stuff. Um, but you will be nourished and fed by the stuff on Patreon when it comes to like the content you'll be learning. But to take that even a step further, because again, I love food analogies. It's an appetizer, <laughs> but it's almost like it's almost like the appetizer that's compliments of the chef yes. where where they go through the restaurant and kind of hand it out to every table, right? Like uh-huh. you didn't order this per se, yeah. but you should because yeah. it's delicious. So the <laughs> chef is going to give you one and then you're going to want 30. That's perfect. And so if you want 30, like you the can. real deal, it's kind of like a big funnel, right? You want people mm-hmm. to come to Patreon because there's a lot more stuff there. Right. And you're going to be compensated for it at a reasonable price to your patrons, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly very reasonable, really. And that's going to allow you to keep doing it for them, right? Absolutely. And do it more. So like yeah. as it keeps growing, yes. I get to build the team more and make more content. And so the more... value, the, their their dollar goes that much further. Absolutely. And as the, it grows and as they share it with more people, more and more. It just as gets it builds, better and better and better. Right. And the YouTube channel will get better. The Patreon will get better. All of it will just keep getting better. So what about, let's cover this then. What about the the pitfalls, the mistakes, things to watch out for, things to not do, and maybe some things that you've learned the hard way? Totally. I don't think I'm there yet for Patreon because I've only had it for three months now. You're fairly new right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, YouTube's been about three years now. So uh, yeah, uh, there are tons of people who give advice about if you're going to start a YouTube channel, you need to be in a certain niche. You need to be posting regularly. Those are the things that people say all the time. You need to have Mm -hmm. a regular schedule. People should know when you're going to be posting a video. You can't go outside of your niche. Like, and while I agree with that sentiment, and I know that that works, that to me goes outside of my philosophy of leaning to what makes you different. Because I don't want to just become this drone that's like, have to post this day every week. Right, right. Because all of the creativity is just going to be sucked out of me right. if I do that. And so anytime right. I find myself in a season of like, I need to post every Tuesday, every single Tuesday, all of a sudden, like it's all of my creativity and the things that I'm putting out, I'm not proud of it. It's just, it feels like a bunch of garbage to me. Well, it still might be somewhat helpful for anybody who's watching. Like really it's, this has been a huge season of me realizing that, that I like as much as I want this content to be um, made for the people watching it and helpful for the people watching it. I just as much want this to be an expression of art that I'm proud of. And, uh, I don't think that's true of a lot of YouTubers and that's not bad. It really isn't. If they're just looking at it as a business and they're fine with cranking stuff out as just a business, that's cool. But when it comes to photography and filmmaking for me in the same way that when I, when I produce wedding films and wedding photography, my heart needs to be in it for me to sustain doing it or else I'm just going to completely burn out. Right. For yourself even. Sure. Yeah. So that same principle that I've learned, and this is great. This is like therapy. Uh, do, do people say that all the time on your podcast? You're, you're yes. a therapist. Yeah, they do. They <laughs> um, do. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of this revelation, the same revelation of in the wedding industry, I realized if my heart isn't in this, if I'm, if my first and foremost like thing isn't serving my clients, I'm going to burn out. And so what I've realized in YouTube is that same principle of 
if I'm not serving the people first and foremost and nourishing myself as an artist in the process, I'm going to burn out. Well, so I'm, you're talking apples and oranges too. Like I understand that people can say, Oh, you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're posting and everybody, your audience knows you can't, that brush is a little broad if you're talking about doing what you're doing as opposed to unboxing something, right? Like I, there's a lot of there's a lot of these people that go out there and they, they they'll they'll post a video of themselves opening a box of something and then their yeah. reaction to that, right? Like uh-huh. that's different than what you do. So maybe that applies to somebody that wants you know, 14 million people watching them take mm-hmm. a Barbie doll out of a, out of a box and then showing it to their five-year-old and then filming their reaction. It's such a huge universe, yeah. right? That how could it be possible to just say, oh, if you're going to do a YouTube channel, this is what it needs to be. Like, you're going to find out what it needs to be for you, right? Absolutely. There's so much nuance. There's so much nuance in every single category. Yeah. And what's cool is I love going into different sectors of YouTube. Like I'm, I really love the financial stuff. People Mm -hmm. like Graham Stephan and Andre Jick. Like I follow those guys. I love their content. It's so cheesy and corny, but the value they provide in the content they produce is unmatched. It's so good, which that has actually inspired. Cause again, I took a piece of that and started applying it to my channel in the creative realm, which I've come to realize creative entrepreneurs like talking about business and money too. Yeah. But then also there's like, then you have Seth James Damore and Kofuzi and these runners that I follow as well that are like influencing. And that's, it's just completely different. Their production values is not even close to what I can produce because of my years of experience working with the gear and the clients I have. And so it's so interesting to see what's successful in different realms where like the, the audience doesn't give a rip about the video quality, but I'm starting to have these ideas of, okay, I would love to start a running YouTube channel where the quality is this good. Or yeah. I would start, I would love to start a financial channel where the quality is exceptional yeah. and yep. then see what happens. And I'm fully convinced like Mike and I, he's my best bud at, at my studio. We're already in the process of like uh, the, the beginning stages of building a financial YouTube channel. And so we're just trying to figure out what that's going to look like. If we need a new studio, what the process will be. Um, but I know that it could do really well with the production value we can bring to the table for it. Okay. So then close with this, where, where can people go to see all this stuff if they want more Eric Floberg? Sure. Uh, just my name. If you just go to YouTube, search in Eric Floberg, you can find me on there. You should find my channel. Um, as well as Patreon, uh, pretty much everything online is just my name. So you search it up, you'll find me. Okay. And then tell me, I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions in succession because we might be trying something on the TikTok pretty soon. I've been oh, told that I've been told that the TikTok is important for the kids these days. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me feel like a creep more than ever, but I have other people helping me too that are much younger than me. And yeah. they send me these videos of me with like something dubbed over like an Eminem rap song. <laughs> And they like speed my video up and then put, and this is, a, this is what they like these days. And uh-huh. and so that's my tip for you. Maybe you want to <laughs> incorporate some of that into your repertoire. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. What's the D stand for in Eric D. Floberg? I don't know that. Oh, David. My middle name. David. Eric David. Eric David's my father's name. What, uh, what's your favorite movie? 
Uh, favorite movie is E.T. Why? Uh, so I'm a deep fan of nostalgia. And if, if I were to watch E.T. today as an adult, it wouldn't be my favorite film, but it is my favorite film because I had the VHS, one of five that I owned as a kid. And I yeah. watched it obsessively every other night. And so it just has that place in my heart. And I had this revelation as I was building my two-day workshop uh, for, for wedding photography. I looked at the poster of the movie and it's the silhouette of them on the bike in front of the moon with the stars and trees and everything. And I was like, holy crap, I've taken portraits that look like that, like look exactly like this. And so to see that come full circle of things that have influenced me and my creative, like I, that was complete. It was in the back of my head. I had no idea um, that I was creating something so similar to my favorite film and the imagery from it. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot to be had from that. How much do you think Spielberg has influenced your style? To, to be honest, like I don't care that much for many other Spielberg movies. You don't? And that's what I was no. gonna. That's where I was going with it. And so like that's that's the funny thing is like I'm not I'm not a film buff. I self admittedly like I haven't watched so many quality good films. Um, but because I, I just don't sit down and watch them. I feel like I just get anxious when I watch a movie because I'm yeah. like, my brain's always, yeah, you know, you I have all these sitting plates. You got other stuff. Yeah, I get that. So it's really hard for me to, but when I do, like I just watched Parasite recently, easily mm -hmm. one of my favorite films ever. Um, mm -hmm. A close second to my, on my favorite list is La La Land. Uh, mm -hmm. Just cinematic masterpiece of color and shot on film. I do love Damien Chazelle a lot. I love Whiplash. Like I love uh, oh, his whiplash. body of work. Oh my gosh. Whiplash yeah. is something for me. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't want to digress down that too far because I, I'll, <laughs> that's what I'll talk about all day. And then real quick, sure. uh, let's go to music. I want a band, a band that blows your mind. Um, always has been and always will be Bony Bear. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just and like, then, again, deep-seated nostalgia, early college years, I found them and I've never stopped listening to them. Um, and their music has evolved over time, but I've just grown to love all of it. Nostalgia so, is a big piece for you. It's huge. My second Instagram account is all my film photography and it's called Nostalgia Cash. And the whole idea is just like, the tagline is curated historical currency, like this idea of all the things we produced in the past being something that we like cash in in the future, being mm. this this beautiful thing that we get to indulge in. Um, and so all of my personal work is shot on film um, for just taking care and concern for those images, not, not just going into the digital abyss, um, but caring for every dollar I spend every time I press the shutter. Um, and so that's just kind of my personal portfolio of work. And yeah. I like it. That's yeah. good to know. I don't know if any of that's TikTok worthy. I feel like it it, it meant that's a lot more than what you put on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is so hard for me. Like the idea of that platform, it just makes me nauseous. It's just, it's so hard because I have friends that are, they come to me yeah. and they're just like, you would, you would be incredible on TikTok. Like you, yeah. your personality, like you, you could go viral, yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that might be enticing. I just, it feels like, it feels like YouTube times a million, just like, I don't feel like I could I don't think I could be authentically myself at it's all. It's too much cocaine. You would OD. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to handle it. 
I th- it's. I also think like they syn- it feels like they synthetically boost numbers on that platform. It's like everybody who just started TikTok, they're like, I just got a TikTok that has a million views. I'm like, right. how? Right. That, how? I have experienced somebody telling me that. They're, I got forty thousand views in the first twenty four hours, and I'm like, like, but no, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe it's. I'm maybe very it's skeptical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll probably make one eventually. I have one. <laughs> I tried to make one and then it was like, your music's copyright strip. And I was like, forget this. I closed yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, brother, I appreciate your time again. This was great. Um, I look forward to seeing you again when you had 5 million followers yourself. And hopefully you'll still answer my, hopefully still answer my calls. Yep. <laughs> I will. I will. Hey, have a great day. Have a good run if you haven't had one yet today. And I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much.